Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 in Chicago, and a big shout out and mazel tov to the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, we're going to get to the relevance of the Super Bowl very, very quickly. First of all, I want to thank everyone for listening and for sharing. The numbers are going way up. Project 613's Money Motivation with Robert Garfagel is it's rocking, and it's because of you. I want to thank you. Continue to listen, like, share, share the wealth. It's not about me. It's about the Torah messages that can impact our lives. In fact, I came with a little slogan of your Monday motivation is at the intersection of Torah and your life. Exactly. How does Torah relate to your life? All right. And what better thing to talk about than the Super Bowl? Now, as a lifelong 49er fan, oh, they should have been in the Super Bowl. Okay. Anyway, they blew it at the end. Fine. I do have to give kudos to the Los Angeles Rams for their victory. Mazel tov. Uh, it'll be one and done. But okay, we can debate that this is not a sports podcast. Uh, but happy to talk about that later. All right. So, but there is a un- fascinating, unbelievable confluence between the Super Bowl and this week's Torah portion, which is Parshas Tetzaveh. Parshas Tetzaveh is towards the end of the book of Shmos, Exodus, and it talks about the clothing of the priests, of the Kohanim, and in particular, the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, okay? There were the regular Kohanim who did the service, and there was one Kohen Gadol who specifically did it. There are actually a few other types of Kohanim Gadolim as well, which we're not going to go into now. But the one that we're talking about is the one who was in charge of the service in the temple. And it's crazy that the Torah spends an entire Torah portion, like a bunch of chapters, describing with every jot and tittle these special garments. And there were four that all Kohanim had, but there were four extra ones that the high priest had. And we're going to go through some of them later. But the question is why? The Torah is eternal. And we haven't had a temple with a priest wearing those garments in close to 2,000 years. And the Torah knew that we were going to be in exile. So why in the world do we every year continue to read about these clothes? Now, in order to get this down, we really need to explain a more fundamental question, which is, what's the source of clothing at all in the Torah at all? Where does clothing come up? Once you know everything is in the Torah, you can turn it over, turn it over. Everything's in the Torah. There is a source for everything. So you want to say, where's clothing in the Torah? Well, believe it or not, it's right at the beginning in Bereshis of the sin of Adam and Eve. And it's a crazy thing. Before the sin, they, uh, it says they were naked and they didn't know anything about it. They didn't know. They didn't realize they were naked. Well, shucks, <laughs> I'm naked and I didn't even know why. And then all of a sudden, that's my silly voice. Um, all of a sudden, they sin and they realize that they are naked. So the question is, why? What what happened there? What was the impact of the sin that made them realize that they were naked? That they then stitched together fig leaves and to clothe themselves. And later on in the chapter, God Almighty gave them 
more sturdy clothing. By the way, Rabbeinu Bachis is a beautiful thing on that, just as an aside, because you would think that after Adam and Eve blew it, that God wouldn't love his children anymore, but he made them special clothes for their new state of being to show them that he still loved them, loved them and loves them and loves us. So that's a beautiful little side snippet about parenting and about dealing with students and other people. People let us down, but we still have to show our love to them. Okay, if the Almighty can do it, we certainly can do it by following his ways. All right, that's a side thing. So what, what's going on? So we have to understand, what was the state of nature? The state of nature was that a human being was 99.99999% neshama. Neshama is a soul. It was a, it was a bright light. Adam and Eve, by the way, were a hermaphrodite. I know there's a lot going on here. They were male and female together initially, and then only later were they separated. But the original souls of Adam and Eve were like shining stars. The Midrash even said that the angels could not tell the difference between God, who personally made Adam and Eve and breathed life into their neshamas, made their neshamas, and therefore God made Adam and Eve fall asleep in order that the angels would be able to distinguish. So you could imagine Adam and Eve shone brightly and they were 99.99% neshama, bright light, and 0.0001% goof. Goof is body in Hebrew. And therefore, what happened when they sinned, when they ingested that forbidden fruit into them? It's that really it flipped. It went from 99.99% neshama and 0.001% goof, body, to the opposite. And we became 99.9999% body and 0.001%. 0.01% soul, which means, what does that mean? Before the sin, you looked at Adam, you saw Neshama, you saw spirituality. It was clear. And if you looked really hard, you could make out some type of image of the body. In fact, the rabbis tell us that what is that image? That's the fingertips, the fingernails. That is the remnants of what our whole body, we, our body was translucent. In fact, on Havdalah, Motzei Shabbos, after Saturday, uh, Saturday night, after Shabbos, we look at the fire in our nails to remind us of what Adam and Eve were in our original state before the sin. Okay, again, that's a whole class another for another time. But after the sin, what happened? It's that we became aware of our physicality. That we look at a person and you see 99.99% goof body. But if you look really closely and you sense a person, you can sense their neshama, you can sense their presence, their aura. And they say, right, the eyes are the window of the soul, that you can sense something spiritual about the person. And that's why they needed clothing. They needed clothing because they were in a new reality that their bodies became the dominant force and their souls became more of an echo and not the dominant voice in their psyche. Okay, by the way, just another important aside, this is a major disagreement that Christianity totally blew their understanding of this. This is where they get original sin, that the soul is fundamentally flawed, and the only way you're going to get salvation is if you accept JC. We reject that totally and completely. The soul is always pure. The soul, we in fact, we wake up in the morning, we thank God for giving our soul back, and one of the first prayers we say is, thank you God for giving my soul back. And it's pure. And it's pure. The soul you gave me is pure. And therefore, it's not that we have original sin, but the power of the neshama to act within us was diminished, but it was not stained. It was not sinful in its essence, and that we reject that false Christian claim theologically. Okay, so now 
here, what, now here's where we get to clothing. We get to clothing. And here's a fascinating Hebrew tidbit. You ready for this? This is like mind-blowing emoji. You ready? Okay, mind-blowing emoji. What is the word for clothing in Hebrew? There's a few. And the main one is begadim, a beged, clothing. Well, what is a beged? Beged is clothing. What does beged really mean? Beged, its shoresh, its root, means also something. Ready for mind-blowing emoji? Boged. A boged, even in modern biblical and certainly modern Hebrew, means a traitor. A traitor like a spy, like Americans would say, you know, Benedict Arnold's a boged, who's a traitor, or someone who turned a coat, you know, against their people or against their nation. And what in the world? Why would clothing be called bogadim, traitors? And here is the thesis. The thesis goes like this. Because the question is, do our clothes project our real and true essence to the world? Or do they belie, or, do they, or, or are they traitors to our ultimate true essence? You know, I often ask my students a trick question. And I say, you know, based on what we said, do we have a soul? Do human beings have a soul? And they say, yeah, Rabbi, yeah, Rabbi. And I trick them. It's not nice to me. It's not that we have a soul. It's that we are a soul. That's what it means to be a human being. We have an Hashemah. We have a breath of God, a spark of divinity within us. We are an Hashemah. We are a soul. That's who we are. And so even though modest dress, where does it even come in? It's so old-fashioned and it's scorned. Well, it depends on the fashion cycle, to be honest. In terms of women's clothing, it's come into style. It's probably going to go out soon. Okay, but it goes in cycles. But oftentimes it's scorned. It's old-fashioned. You're old maid. Why are you covering up? And so what is the problem with immodest dress? Okay, and the really, the approach is like this. It's because when you dress immodestly, you're not being true to your essence. We are essentially, immodest dressed is broadcasting to the world that you're a body, that you are only a physical creature, and you're not an ashama, you're not a, you're not a soul. Now, what do I mean? Okay, so you ready for an example? Okay, I remember, okay, used to be, Rabbi UCLA, I think this was when I, in that genre of my life, at that time of my life, or maybe it was even earlier when I was visiting uh, in Los Angeles, but I remember seeing one of these LA Venice Beach muscle men, and this guy had muscles upon muscles upon muscles, he was so big, and I you know, there's no video here, but you imagine standing up. He literally could not put his arms down to the side because his arms were like so filled with muscles. So he literally it was like he was doing a, you know, he, I can't imagine. His arms were almost parallel to the ground because he had so many muscles, okay? His legs, he could not close his legs because each of his legs was absolutely a tree trunk and he didn't walk. He waddled. He like put one leg tree trunk front and the other tree trunk front. Now, we have no problem. In fact, it's a mitzvah to take care of your body. Literally, one of the 630 commandments, Ushmartim Esnav Shoseichem, that you should take care of your body. It's fine. But this was a level of muscles upon muscles upon muscles, and it dawned on me. That's immodest. Why? Why is it immodest? Because he's broadcasting the wrong message. He's broadcasting to the world that he is nothing more than his muscles. And it's a false 
treacherous, traitorous message because there's something much more important about him that he probably didn't even know himself. Is this his neshama, his soul? And so he's broadcasting that I am an, I am a goof, I'm a body, but really he is a soul. And his clothing, his muscular clothing, were belying, were treacherous and traitorous to his inner essence. Okay, and now <laughs> I might get fired from money motivation when I give my next example. But I have been thank God, working with young people, college students, now young professionals for in my 18th year. And the issue of modest dress for women comes up all the time, especially since we are traditional observant Jews and why do we cover up and what's going on? And here is the issue with immodest dress in the secular world, especially for women, is because if they like it or not, a very low-cut seductive neckline and a very, very short skirt is broadcasting not that you're a neshama. It's broadcasting that my essence is a body and relate to me as a body. If I had a nickel for every girl who I sat in counseling with, unofficial counseling, I'm not a counselor, who said, Rabbi, I thought he meant it. Okay, getting a little steamy over here. And I said, well, maybe I didn't say it at the time, depending on the girl if she could hear or not. But what message were they broadcasting? They were broadcasting that I'm a body, that I want you to notice me for my body. And yet, so why do we have this archaic old modest clothing business? Is because it is the guarantee that we are broadcasting to the world that I want you to relate to me as a neshama, as a soul. And that's who I am. My outer clothing reflects honestly and truthfully my inner essence. I'm not ashamed of my body. My body is beautiful. But my body is beautiful for someone, one person, intimately, forever, in exclusivity. And until we find that right person, my body is not forever. For not only not for everyone, not for anyone. And that is the power of modest clothing, is that it's reflecting godliness. It's reflecting that I am not just a piece of meat. I am not just a muscle. I am not just a low-cut dress. I am somebody. And that is the power of modest dress. And we talked about it at this past Project 613 Shabbaton. I want to share with you some of the comments that I got about what is your favorite piece of clothing. And longtime Project 613 participant Jamie Furman said it was his number 12 Tom Brady jersey from New England. He's from the New England area. And why? Because that reflects all of the good times that he had in the, the, with his family watching the games as well as those values of being a victor, of, of victory. And there's no problem, no issue with wanting to succeed in life. And certainly he is a winner. Jacob said an unbelievable thing. Jacob Custer said he bought his first suit for $400 when he was uh, interviewing. He's now a top guy. Deloitte, of course. Very proud of him and all of our Project 615 Young Professionals. And he said that when he bought his first $400 suit, he walked in the room and he felt so confident because that suit reflected his inner confidence. And we see again this mirroring image. And India, our beloved India, she said there was a certain Chanel bag that or piece of clothing that belonged to her mother and it had this sense of feeling refined and elevated and also the emotional connection of who she was and she was bringing her mother with her and that is again the way that clothing can 
re reflect our inner essence. Okay, and so now we have Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, we have to answer the question. We started with the Super Bowl jerseys. Now the Rams jerseys are going to go through the roof. And there's going to be sales all over the place. Why? Because people want to be a winner. They want to associate themselves with winners. And therefore, there's going to be a lot of Rams jerseys and uniforms. It's exactly what they are. Uniforms reflect values. They reflect ideas and even morals. And that's where we come to in terms of the Kohen Gadol, these special clothing. He had four special clothing, of which we're going to talk about a, a couple of them now, a few of them now. He had a tzitz. A tzitz was a, basically a headband that had written on it or engraved in it, holy to Hashem, kadosh Hashem. Why? Because it atoned for the sin of azutz metzach, of brazenness. You know when you look down on someone and your forehead crinkles? It's haughtiness. And therefore, we, the Kohen Gadol was saying, no, I'm not going to use any of my talents to look down on other people. And therefore, it had a reminder that I need to use all of my brains and my talents for what? For Hashem and not to look down on other people. So literally, that was what the the bandana was reflecting. Then there was a ma'il, a robe. And the robe was indicating the values of not speaking Lashon Hara. It had little bells to remind people that the voice of the chattering should be for positivity and not for negativity. And you saw the bells at the hem of this robe. And he was reflecting the values that we don't talk smack about others. We only talk positively about others. And the Choshen, the breastplate, had 12 gems, showed the unity of the Jewish people, and it stood for justice. Aaron, 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 the Kohen, was the first one to wear it because when he was the leader in Egypt, his younger brother came. And God said that the younger brother was going to be the leader, and Aaron was happy. It says, Rav, Asamach, Balibu, saw motion. He was happy in his heart, a heart that could be happy for his younger brother to replace him is the heart that needs to be the judge of the Jewish people. And that's where the judgment was from that breastplate. Okay, and so this is where now the confluence of where we are and where the Torah is, is that we have to be conscious of what our clothing is and how what messages it reflects to the world. God bless. I hope you have a, non, a wonderful shopping spree after this podcast. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.